Village Church. I'm Adam, one of the pastors here at the Village. I'm glad to be with you this morning. I don't know um, if you have some really nostalgic pictures of the church in your mind, or if you've been a part of the church for a long time and those sort of pictures creep in from time to time. I know I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've loved the church since I was in high school, or in junior high school, I guess it was. And I have lots of like nostalgic pictures of, of moments in the church that, that I just, I think to myself, that is what the church is about, you know? Um, in the life of the Village Church, I think about moments like David Rosenblatt's baptism. And if you were here then, you remember a, an Orthodox Jewish man coming, coming to, to church here for the first time and hearing some things about Jesus just sort of blew his mind. And then sort of connecting with us and asking questions and sharing meals and, and sharing scripture. And I remember his baptism was just this picture of like, this is what the church is about. Like people that seem as far away from Jesus as could be imagined are now following him and professing love for him, and, and it was just a nostalgic moment. You used to be able to see that picture in the hallway. I think about um, some other moments in the life of the Village Church. We were in this room, and all the chairs were gone, and we were packing Christmas gifts, and someone thought it was a good idea to make, you know, snowballs and stuff like that out of paper, and they filled the, the floor, and that was a mess. But what was, what was wonderful is just everyone packing gifts and all this stuff for the people that we were serving around the world, and it just made me think, like, this is what the church is. It was like a nostalgic moment. There was kids outside. There was food. It was like, this is what the church is. I think about recently um, over the COVID season and, uh, you know, Gather OC and our church just seeing a need that college students had and stepping in. So many people from our church saying, we want to help. And hundreds of students gathered every Sunday outside worshiping Jesus and hearing his word proclaimed and praying for each other and really seeing a movement among students. And I just thought to myself, this is what the church is about. It's this nostalgic picture about what the church is. I don't know what the moments for you are, but I can, I can tell you that we probably all share this one. We may not have all shared those moments. They're moments that some of us shared, and, and they're nostalgic moments in the life of the church. But this one, I think we all look to. Acts 2, 42 to 47 might be the most nostalgic moment in the life of the church that as Christians we can look at and say, I wish it was like that. Like, I want to be part of that. And as Christians, I think we can all resonate with this. And... And I want to tell you this morning that, that that, that nostalgic moment in the church where they studied the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of the bread and the prayers and they shared all these things, it, was, it, it happened in the context of hospitality. Like hospitality was the context that this all happened in. Did you catch it? There where it says, and, and gathering daily in the temple and from house to house or in their homes, that the context for the life of the early church was invitation was openness, was warmth, was generosity. This was the context of the life of the early church. They invited people to the corporate gatherings like this morning, Sunday morning, and they invited people into the intimate gatherings in their home, and they did this regularly. The context of the life of the early church, the context of these nostalgic moments and this nostalgic moment that we all hope for and long for, it happened in the context of biblical hospitality, invitation. And this is because this is what the Christian life is about. It's about invitation. Because as we'll see later this morning, like we have a Savior who has invited us to himself. And if we really want to see some of those nostalgic moments in the life of the church, and as we look at the way that the church is today, the state of the church, 
after these last couple of years and we long for the way it was before or the way it was all the way back then, if we want it to be like that, we're going to have to give ourselves to hospitality. Because Jesus, the head of the church, values hospitality. We are going to need to be a church that values hospitality. Jesus values hospitality. And you might be thinking, well, I don't, how did he do that? He had no home, nowhere to lay his head. No, Jesus was a person who was constantly inviting people to himself. The life of ministry of Jesus is marked by invitation. It's marked by Jesus opening himself up to his disciples. Everywhere Jesus went, he said things like, follow me and come and see. <laughs> Come and join me. Come and see. Follow me. It was constantly invitation. Jesus was constantly inviting people to himself. We see this in the teaching of Jesus, in the parable of the wedding feast, where, where the, the king creates a, a, a great wedding feast, and he invites people, and they don't come, and then he sends the invitation again, and they don't come, and then he sends his servants out and said, go on the highways and byways and find whoever you can. It's invitation. We see it in the parable of a great banquet. It's a similar parable where a man prepares a banquet and he goes and invites people. And they have all kinds of reasons why they don't want to come. And instead of saying, oh, the banquet's over, he says, no, I'm going to go invite others. Our God is a God of hospitality. He's a God of invitation. He's open. He's inviting people in. He's inviting you in. He's inviting me in. He's inviting all kinds of people in. Hospitality literally is philozenia, which means lover of strangers. It means hospitableness and lover of strangers. This is the point that hosp biblical hospitality goes to. It, it, it's not just what you and I typically think about hospitality, but it actually goes so far as is, is showing love to strangers, showing that same kind of hospitality to strangers. You might say, well, what is that hospitality? I think even our modern definitions have been impacted by the biblical definition. The friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers— or the quality or the disposition. This is a, a disposition of receiving people, receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm and a friendly and a generous kind of way. And the early church was, listen to me, very, very well known for this. Hospitality was the context for ministry in the life of the early church. The early church was an open and inviting and warm, again, and generous church. Our men are going to be studying the book of Romans this fall, and I don't think they're going to get to chapter 12 yet, but in chapter 12 in the book of Romans, there's these marks of, a, of, of true, ch uh, true church and true Christians, and your Bible might even have that subheading above this section of chapter 12 where it says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what's good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, don't be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. These are all marks of true Christians. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And here we see that hospitality is not just something we wait for. It's something we look for. We don't just wait for an opportunity, the perfect opportunity to show someone hospitality. This is something as Christians we're constantly looking for. Hospitality is something that Christians were meant to, to joyfully extend as really an opportunity, not an obligation. This is not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality should be seen not as something we have to do, but something we get to do. We get to extend this kind of warmth and
through different villages and they're professing Christians, but they're strangers to the people that they're meeting. The author of Hebrews says, for thereby some have even entertained angels unaware. No time for that this morning. But the point is, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Why? Because hospitality is not just sharing our best things with our best friends. It's sharing our best things with people that are not yet our friends. Like this is, this is how biblical hospitality extends itself. And hospitality was an expectation for early Christians, even for those that didn't have much. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy how he would care for widows in his church. And, and widows, the ones in the church that would likely have the least. Right? They have the least savings, the least discretionary income, you know, the least to give, perhaps. But Paul says this is the, these are the widows that deserve care from the church, the ones that have a good reputation for good works, and they've brought up their children well. She has shown hospitality has washed the needs of the saints and has cared for the afflicted and devoted herself to every good work. The widows that deserve to be cared for by the church are the ones that are actually giving to the church. Widows who don't have much, that have shown hospitality. Hospitality is not just for people that have a lot. It's for people that have a lot to give. And if you're sitting here this People, that's fine. You probably have a lot that you can't offer. You probably have a lot to give. This is part of what biblical hospitality means. And I want to tell you this morning that hospitality is something that Jesus values so much that it's actually a qualification for those that would lead his church. If you're familiar with the pastoral epistles and Timothy and Titus, it tells it, it says it in both places, but in 1 Timothy, I thought to myself, this is incredible, hospitable, and able to teach. And usually for you and I, the thing that we look at when we think, okay, pastor or elder, that's a person that's able to teach. That's actually what differentiates a pastor from a deacon, perhaps. Who cares if you can teach the Bible if you're not an open and warm and inviting and generous person? I think that's part of what Paul's saying. It doesn't matter if you're able to teach the Bible if you're not able to open your life to people. If you're not able to be the kind of person that's an open, inviting, warm person that shares what they have. The rest of our elders, the elders in this church are a hospitable group of men. And they're married to hospitable women, and that's a wonderful thing. And we don't take it for granted. But you can't be a leader in his church if you don't show hospitality to his church. And Jesus values hospitality. We are who we are because he is who he is. And we value hospitality because Jesus, the head of the church, values hospitality. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, 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 okay. I get it. The early church was a hospitable church. We want to be a hospitable church. And you might even say, I want the village church to be a hospitable church. I want it to be a warm, welcoming, inviting kind of place. I want to be that kind of person, maybe you're saying. I want to be a warm, welcoming, inviting kind of person. How do I give myself 
to biblical hospitality in the life of the Village Church. And I just want to say, I'm so glad that you... I did that meal, hospitality, four ingredients thing? Okay. Here we go. Ingredient number one. Biblical hospitality means opening our lives and our homes and inviting people to share meals there. Now, I want to say, in terms of these four ingredients, I'm going to start with the simplest ones. I know that in this passage, it talks about the apostles' doctrine and prayer and the breaking of bread, fellowship, those four things. I'm going to start with the ingredients that are easy, so I'm going to work our way through the ones that are a little bit more complex, Okay. So we're going to start with the easiest one, and that is the meal. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. To the breaking of bread. It's been said something like, nothing opens a person's heart more than filling their stomach. Amen? Yeah, nothing opens a person's heart more than filling their stomach, and we find this to be true. We find this to be true in our daily life. Dean and I, I'm also, as some of you know, we the last 10 years have been privileged to help run like a kind of mom-and-pop renewal ministry for pastors and their wives. And one of the things we get to do is, is we get to put on these four-day renewal weekends. And one of the big privileges recently was we got to do that for the Perrys here as they're in town and, and use a beautiful place to help bless them with some great experiences. But historically, one of the things is like we just want people who know how to cook good food because we feel like when people show up and they, they, they enjoy good food, it sort of opens them up in a way that they're not open before. And sometimes the pastors and pastor's wives that we serve, they come kind of closed because they've been like wounded by the church and they're, they're kind of, have this kind of closed off posture. They have, they're kind of stiff arming the people around them. And when you extend a, a beautiful... This is true about hospitality. Nothing shows how open you are to someone more than opening your home to them and opening your table to them. This is the place where your family shares its most intimate moments. And I just want to pause and say, this is not about hospitality, but if you're a parent, th this should be true. Like if you're just eating meals, this is an, I'm going to just step aside because this is an aside. Um, if you're just eating meals, just like make it through your day, like something is wrong. There has to be moments in the life of your family where as a family, you sit down around the table and you share a meal together. And that should happen really often, as often as it possibly can, because that's where that intimacy happens around the meal. And inviting people into our homes is inviting them into intimacy and inviting them into our, into our, around our, our tables, inviting them in literally the most intimate place that we are. We talk about the most important things around the table. That's where we talk about it. And ultimately, we do this with each other because this is what Jesus does with us. He invites us to an intimate relationship with himself. And that's what sharing a meal is about. If you're a Christian, you probably know that verse in, in Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. That whole thing, that whole idea is about invitation and reception of invitation and intimacy. The whole idea of a meal is intimacy. This is what is happening. We invite people into our homes to share a meal because we invite them in to relationship and to intimacy with us. I just want to pause for a moment and say, um, if you read the NLT version, the New Living Translation, and I, that's what I read for my daily reading because it's more readable and I, I enjoy it, and we preach out of the ESV version, but I read the NLT in my own personal quiet time, and if you read it, you will say in parentheses, it says, to the breaking of bread, and in parentheses it says, including the Lord's Supper. 
And there is this idea that these early Christians were sharing a meal together and they were sharing the Lord's Supper after the meal on a regular basis. And I just want to like free you up to say that would be a wonderful thing to do. Like this is not the only place where we can do that together, I believe, that we, we as Christians can share that with one another. And you could do that in a community group or you can do that when you have people over. We've done that with guests before who would, they come over, we're Christians, we share a meal together and we say, you know what? We just think it'd be a nice time to actually share communion and remember Jesus together and we share communion around our table after dinner. And I just want to free you up to say it's a wonderful thing to be able to do with fellow believers. Question for you this morning, who are the next people you need to open your home and your table to? And when might you be able to do that? And if you have something out that you're taking notes, this is really simple. You just need to pick a person and pick a time and pick a meal. Right? Just think about a person right now and think about a time that's convenient and think about a meal, you know? What would you like to prepare for them? You don't have to prepare something. If, if you got to bring something in, great. But I think that's probably best. Prepare something nice for them. Second ingredient, biblical hospitality means opening our lives and our homes and inviting people to share to share prayer there. It's not just sharing a meal, but in the context of what's happening in the book of Acts, hospitable people are inviting people into their homes. And they're sharing a meal there, but they're also praying for one another. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The prayers literally, I think, means the, the literal prayers that happened daily at daily rhythms, th at least three times a day in that culture. And it was probably surrounding the evening prayers where they shared their meal together and, and they shared the supper together and then they shared prayer together. They prayed for one another around the typical rhythms of prayer. And this is a great thing about inviting people into your home is that you get to invite them into the typical rhythms. The, the simplest typical rhythm is praying before your meal. That is so easy. It's so easy to do it. Even with people that you don't know very well, it's so easy to say something like, hey, in our family before we eat our meal, we, we pray for our food. Would you mind us doing that? It's so easy. It's so simple. And no one's going to say, no, nah, we don't want you doing that. It's your house. It's like, that's what we do. And, and you could pray the things you normally pray. You don't have to, you know, create the prayer around the person that's sitting next to you. It just becomes ultra personal. It's like, no, you're just praying for God's goodness to your family, for his provision, for your food, the same thing you always do. It's just a simple entree into something more important. Maybe you pray after your meal. Maybe you share a meal for them and you ask them how you can pray for them. I can't tell you how many times we've done this in our family, and my wife's great at doing this. We had some young, younger people over recently and young adults, and, and before they even came, she said, hey, I'd like to pause after this meal and just see how we can pray for everyone as they get back into some of these fall rhythms. And I think, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. And it was, she's thinking about it before they even get to our home. We knew that we were going to be praying together after the meal before we even ate together. And it's such a simple thing to do. And I can't tell you how many times we've invited people into our home and we've shared a meal together and people are getting ready to clean up. And we say, hey, before we clean up the table, is there, can we just sit for a few more minutes? And is there something we can pray for you about? And it's been a beautiful thing even to invite our kids into. You know, I pray for the, the dad, Dina prays for the, the mom, and, and our kids pray for their kids. And it's just, it just changes everything about that evening. Like we can invite people into our homes and we can share prayer with them there. I might have told you before, we even had this fun rhythm that we, we've done this historically when we go out. And, and I don't know why we've kind of gotten away from this a little bit as the kids have gotten older. But when they're younger, every time we went out, when we're served by someone, we always would ask them how we could pray for them. So they'd come to our table and they'd, they'd, they'd serve us our food and they'd say, hey, is there anything else? And I'd say, you know what? Actually, there is. We're not like, you know, strange people. Like, we're not, I'm not Flanders from the Simpsons. Like, we're not, we're not those kind of 
good. No one watches The Simpsons. That's great. I don't either. I just, I just knew he was like the Bible character or something like that. So I would just say it to try to like make this moment not so awkward. But like we would ask them, I know we're complete strangers, but is there a way we could pray for you? And I can't tell you the responses that we got. You know, sometimes from a waiter who said like, I, I got to tell you, I've been working here for like seven years and like no one's ever asked me that. Like these are just typical rhythms that we get have in our homes or when we're out. It's not a strange thing. People appreciate it. That's been our experience. Look, ultimately we do this with each other because this is what Jesus does with us. He invites us to talk with him and he invites us to be heard by him. And so we invite each other into that same thing. Question this morning, who are the next people that you need to invite into your home to open your home to them, to open your table to them? And who are the next people you should pray with around that table? Maybe in your mind right now, you already know who that is. Someone that you know needs some prayer, needs that moment. Invite them to share a meal and invite them to pray with you. Third ingredient, getting a little more complicated. Biblical hospitality means opening our lives and homes and inviting people to share community there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. The fellowship literally means the sharing. <laughs> the sharing of common things. They opened their homes to the sharing of common things. They opened their lives to the sharing of common things. This is sharing, sharing our home, sharing our table, sharing our meal, sharing our possessions, sharing the best of what we have, sharing our life. Maybe sharing a life moment, sharing, you know, you share your highs and lows. You share it right around the table. You go around the table, and if you do this with your kids, you use your typical rhythms, and you go, hey, what was the best thing about your day-to-day? What was the toughest thing about your day-to-day? And you freely talk about those things. You open your life to people so they begin to share life with you. This is what biblical hospitality is about. And again, ultimately, we do this with each other because this is what Jesus does with us. He invites us into community with himself and the Father and the Spirit. He invites us into community with the triune God. This is what it means when we say as Christians, we're united together with Christ. It means that all that is his is ours, and we share all the common things about life with him. Who's the next person you need to not only open your home and share your table with and your life with, but who you need to start doing life with. Again, pick a person, pick a time, pick something significant that you know that you want to share with them about your life. Recently, I was sharing a meal with some partners of the Village Church, and I learned something very significant about their life that I never knew. And I'm like, how did I not know that? Well, I knew it around a meal, and it just sort of drew us into deeper community together. Pick a time, pick a person, and pick something significant about your life that you know that they don't know, and, and share with them. Fourth and last ingredient is this, and I know this is a bit more complicated sometimes, but biblical hospitality means opening our lives and our homes and inviting people to study the Bible there. Like biblical hospitality in this context, it's, it's more than just a good meal, and I hope it's at least that. And it's more than just sort of asking people how you can pray for them after the meal, and I, and I, I pray that happens. And it's more than just like beginning to share more of your life together and doing things together. And that's wonderful. But ultimately, biblical hospitality means opening our lives to people and opening everything about our life to people, including the fact that we love Jesus. We love the Bible. That's what we study. This is where our life is grounded. This is the most important thing about our family and the life of our church family. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching was literally like the family code, right? Like this is what our family is oriented around. Maybe like us, your family has certain things where you say something like, you know, our family does this. Sometimes it's, hey, we're Kaisers, and Kaisers do this, not this. 
Like, this is the way Kaisers act. They don't act like that. And every time we say, like, this is what Kaisers do or this is what our family does, it's always because that's what Jesus does. We have no family values that aren't aligned with his. Like, this is our family code. This is what we do. This is how we operate. But we operate that way because that's the way he is, and we get all of that from the Bible. And so it's a really simple thing to open up Scripture to people and say, like, when they ask you, yeah, this is what we do, and we do this because of this. Or maybe there's a person you're sharing your faith with most recently, and you're wondering, how do I open the Bible to them? Well, share a meal with them. Pray for them. Start sharing your life with them. And eventually, you're going to have the, for lack of a better term, the right or the ability to say, hey, you know, you mind if I open the Bible and share with you why we do what we do or why it's this way or why this is part of our family? Who's the next person or people that you need to not only open your home to and your table to and pray with, share your life with, but you get to open the Bible with. And it's as simple as, again, picking a person and, and picking, picking a time and then picking a passage. Think about that person and think about what passage would be helpful to them. Think about something in your life that would connect with them and a passage of Scripture that would be helpful to them. And you might say something like, hey, I know we're kind of talking about the same things. Can I share with you a passage from the Bible that's been really helpful to us? And I guarantee you, after you have opened your home to them and you have fed them well and you've offered to pray for them and bless them, I guarantee you they're not going to say no. They're going to say, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear that. I want to show you that one last time, that this is a progression. And I want to show you my, my, you see what I did there? You see what I did with the mixing bowl and the whole progression thing? Right? It just starts with the meal. It goes to the prayers. Actually, this should have been opposite. The meal should go in first, and then the prayer, you know what I'm saying? It should be flip-flop if you're really cooking with that. But anyway, you get it, right? It starts with the meal. It goes to the prayer. It goes to the community. And eventually, you have an opportunity to share the Bible with one another. Okay, I want to pause for a moment saying, I'm, I'm telling you things that you probably know and you've seen this in Scripture, but I'm telling you things that most of us probably are not doing on that regular of a basis on our own. But there's a place that we do do this in the life of our church, and that's in community groups. And on uh, the first weekend in September at First Sunday Outside, we're going to have a community group fair, and Andrew's going to be there, and our community group leader's going to be there, and we're going to invite you into this sort of thing where we do this on a regular basis. We, we share food, and we share the Bible, and we share prayer, and we share life, and this is what, this is what many of us do in community group. I know you. I know your groups. I know how you do this on an ongoing basis, and if you're new to the life of the Village Church, we just want to invite you into that. But before we invite you into that, um, you need to be invited in. And I want to invite up Peter. He's one of our, our deacons at the Village Church, and he helps us to run our, our Connect ministry. And, and I just want for one minute—I know this is odd for us as a church, but yeah, yeah, we're good. Come on. Um, to like pause for a moment in the midst of a sermon, but um, that was planned, okay? It was planned. We got your attention now. Yeah, nice work. That worked. That worked. Yeah, that worked. So— um, we got a lot going on after church, and I don't want you to miss this. Like Village Church, I want, I want the Village Church to be the most hospitable church anyone has ever come to. And, and it's not that actually that important that I want that. I think Jesus wants that. I think Jesus would want this to be the most hospitable place anyone would ever come. And that really begins with all of you. It begins with our partners, and it begins with what's happening with our Connect ministry. And I just want to give Peter a chance to share um, just for a minute here the things that, that are on your mind about that. Sure. And make the introduction. Yeah, happy to share a couple words. Um, 
In addition to community groups, I believe Connect is a, is a real way to espouse a hospitality, biblical hospitality. And at the core of Connect is really about uh, the mission about connecting people, especially newcomers, to the life and rhythms of our church. Um, and it's important because we have a lot of things going on, but not many people are plugged in, per se, especially the newcomers. So that's really, really important to us. And I believe more important than even the mission is really the motivation. Mm -hmm. So I believe that the why, will, why of what we do is really tied to the heart of biblical hospitality. Yeah. Um, and I, I think connecting hospitality with Connect, there are a couple of kind of core tenets, I would say. Uh, first of all, I would say there's, um, you know, our desire is to, to draw people in as Christ has drawn us in as number one. Yep. Number two, um, it's about treating, you mentioned strangers, treating strangers like your friends, uh, people we don't know that well, connecting people, uh, conversations, and inviting them into small groups, community groups, et cetera. And the third way, I believe, is nurturing and loving and growing the family of yeah. God, uh, both inside the walls of this church and out. So yeah. I think those couple of tenets, I believe, are core to the Connect ministry. Yep. Uh, together with community groups, yep. you know, really want to foster yep. biblical hospitality. Yeah. I wanted to bring Peter up here because if you knew the life of the Village Church, I'd love you to meet Peter if you haven't already met him. And he's pretty good at finding new people. Um, and, uh, and I, I feel like I want to I be that person too. Matter of fact, Lori Hilbrand and I, we've got a little challenge going to see who can meet the most newcomers on a Sunday morning. So if you're new, I'd love you to come see me after church because like, I like to talk to you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a little competitive. I want to win. So like, so, but, but, but so here's the thing. We, we all kidding aside, we, if you're new to the Village Church, we'd love to invite you in. And we hope you feel like welcome here. That is the heart of Christ. Christ welcomes us to himself, and we want to welcome you here, okay? Okay, so we looked at like four ingredients to biblical hospitality, but now the, la the last question is, as we end our time together this morning, what are the results of living this kind of hospitality at, at the center of our lives and the life of the church? What if we did this? Like, what if we were really open, hospitable, inviting, warm people who invited people this Sunday morning saying, you got to come meet my church family or inviting them to our homes. You got to come share a meal with us. We'd love to have a meal with you. And you pray for them and, and you invite them into your life and you do this maybe regularly. And at some point you're sharing scripture with them. You begin to study the Bible together. Maybe you even invite them to your community group where you're doing that with other Christians. What happens when Christians do this? Now, again, I'm glad you asked because this passage actually shows us an awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling the possessions and belongings, distributing the needs of all as they had need for things. And I know you tried to get through a message without this, but they all begin with the same letter. It's just the way I remember it. It's easy, okay? So here it is. Biblical hospitality helps to create a context for the power of God. Something happens when hospitality is extended to people. They are more open to God, and God moves in their lives. I've seen it time and time again, and maybe you have too, that when you open your life to someone, when you open your home to them, when you extend hospitality to them, when you invite them in, when you're warm, when, when you extend the heart of Christ to them in these ways, it opens them up, and then God comes and he works in their life. Like before they experience this kind of biblical hospitality, like they're closed off. They're kind of, they're kind of hardened, right? Like they're, they're, they're apprehensive. They're standoffish. And that hospitality actually is part of the way that God's power is released as, as we extend the hospitality. Their life opens up and that God comes in and he moves in ways that 
I'm not going to say he couldn't otherwise because he could do anything he wants, but it, it's the ideal way for him to come in and to move in their life when their life is open to him and their posture, their hearts have been opened and biblical hospitality extended by God's people, it helps accomplish that. God moves when people are open to him. Secondly, biblical hospitality helps to create a context for the peace of God among God's people. All who believed were together and had all things in common. All who believed were all together and all, all things in common. All who believed had all things in common and were together and had all things in common. Like this, all kinds of people. Like Jesus is, is open. He's welcoming Jesus, Christianity is exclusive in the sense that you can only come to God through Christ, but it's inclusive in the sense that anyone can do that. All kinds of people can do that. It doesn't matter where you're from, like what color your skin is, like what, what, your, what your, you know, first language is, what, what kind of religious practices you had before you came to Christ, what socioeconomic status you have, what you do for work, you're male or female. Like it does, it has no, it does not matter. Jesus invites all kinds of people in. And sometimes those other things that rub us wrong, like, like there are Christians that are Republicans and Democrats, believe it or not, you know? Yeah, there's even independents, you know? Like there's, there's people like that. Oh, did I just do that? So like there's like, you know, it's all kinds of Christians come together and, 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 and God creates peace among them through that hospitality. We share meals and we share life and we share the Bible. We share so many things like, like these things that some of us don't always agree on. It brings peace to God's people, and I've seen it. Biblical hospitality helps create a context for the provision of God. Like, like these, these opportunities, we invite people into our home, and, and, and we hear about their life, and we help to, to, to meet the needs in their life as well. Like, when we hear other Christians have needs, in the back of our minds, we're thinking to ourselves, how can we help meet that need? A, a beautiful example of that is what happened in one of our community groups years ago, in the heirs group. The, one of their needs was met, and their group has helped to meet the needs of someone else. I mean, in, in very, very substantial ways. I'm talking like thousands of dollars and in incredible like movement of God among God's people to help one another. Like this is how God's people are provided for. Like when we extend this kind of hospitality to one another, we learn about each other's lives. We learn about the things that people need. And, and, and when we share our lives with them, we get in this posture where like we're willing to share the things we have because like we love them and they're part of our community and they're part of our family. And like we're willing to sacrifice things to help meet their needs. Like, God, like hospitality opens the door to, to God's provision for his people. And biblical hospitality helps to create a context for the promotion of God. This is how the church grows. This is how the early church grows. And I believe this is how this church would grow, how any church would grow. They were praising God. They were having favor with all of the people favor with all of the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see this, is that hospitality opens people up to the realities of, of who Christians are and who Jesus is and what the gospel is, and hospitality is sort of the doorway into so many of these things. It's the context again where these things happen. And so you want to see the church grow. We want to see new believers come. We want to see people place their faith and hope in Christ. Like, we have, to, we have to share our home with them. We have to share our table with them. We have to share our life with them. And pray for them. Open the Bible with them. This is the way that it happens. And this is why the church was exploding in Jerusalem in the early days. This is how the church grows. For some reason, some local churches have gotten the, uh, the reputation for being, well, the opposite of all these things like very closed off or standoffish or a little stingy 
or cold. I'm thinking, how could a church ever have that reputation? That is the opposite of who Jesus is. Like Jesus is open, and Jesus is welcoming, and Jesus is inviting, and Jesus is warm, and Jesus is hospitable, he's patient, he's kind, he's generous. How could this be true of Christians when we understand the gospel? And if you're not yet a Christian, the gospel is simply what we call the good news, because that's literally what it means. The good news about what Jesus has done for us. And if you're not yet a Christian, the Bible teaches us as Christians that, that um, in the beginning, we were, we were really united with God. There was perfect intimacy between us and God. There was an invitation, it was accepted, and we were in perfect community with him. We shared everything together. And our first parents in the garden, they sinned against him. They disobeyed him. They disregarded him. They thought they could have a better life without him. And, and when that happened, their relationship with him was broken. We call that sin and the fall. And from that time forward, instead of being intimately related to God, people were strangers of God. The Bible would actually literally call them enemies of God. They, they actually were going down a totally different path. The Bible describes us as people that were strangers, but, but God wasn't content to leave us in that place of being strangers to him. But God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we believe as Christians. And Jesus came to, to us. When we wouldn't, like, invite him, he came to us. And again, Jesus lived his life constantly inviting people, saying, follow me, or come and see. And as Christians, we believe it was more than just inviting people in and being a warm person and a good guy, you know, who shared his life with people even though he didn't have a home. And Jesus was much more than our good example. He was our good Savior who lived a life that we could never live, a perfectly sinless life, a life that no one of, of us could ever live. A life lived perfectly according to all of God's commands and standards. Jesus lived a life we could never live, a sinless life, but then he died a death we should have died, a sinner's death, on the cross and in our place and for our sins. All the times that we stiff-armed God, all the times that we told God, go away, all the we to times we told God, we have it, like we don't need you, instead of, yeah, I want you, you're invited into my life, all the times that we sinned against God and pushed him away, God forgives that when we place our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus as the Savior who's come to save us from our sin. He's our substitute. He took our place. And when we place our faith and our hope and our trust in Him, our sins are forgiven. And we're free now to, to open our lives to God. And when we do, God wants to be intimate and, and open with us. Again, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. Like, this is what happens when we become believers. Jesus is knocking and we open the door and then we have fellowship. We share meals and fellowship with him. We share intimacy with him. And this is what it means to become a Christian. It means having a relationship with God more than just following rules. And I hope, I hope you know that. And if you don't, I'm, I'm telling you, um, this is what Christianity is about. It's about an open, warm, inviting, personal relationship with God. As Christians, you know, we look forward to this. At the end of the Bible, in Revelations chapter 19, your Bible titles this, The Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Like, we're actually going and looking forward to this as Christians. <laughs> Like, what is it going to look like in the end? It's going to look like this. I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. And this is amazing because this is being written by John. 
and he's hearing it and he's writing it down. John, the best friend of Jesus. John, the person who shared many meals with Jesus around a table or around a campfire at a beach in Galilee. Like John has shared these kinds of meals with Jesus. John has shared Passover meal with Jesus. And he's writing down what it's going to look like in the end. Hallelujah for our Lord, our, our mighty God Almighty reigns. And let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That's the church. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. In the end, God invites us to himself and he invites us to a meal. <laughs> he invites us to himself. He invites us to an intimate moment around a table that, I mean, I don't know how it's all going to work, <laughs> but it's going to be good, you know. And maybe during some of the times that you've shared these kinds of meals, you've, you've shared this. You know, I remember Dina's 40th birthday party, and we were out in the desert, and we were at this table overlooking the golf course where my parents had this place, and it was a beautiful meal, and we had our best friends around the table, and it was just, it seemed to go on forever, and the food was great, and the company was perfect, and it was just like, <laughs> this is just sort of a foreshadowing of what it's supposed, I think, going to be like then. I mean, it was just, I didn't want to leave the table. We didn't want to leave the table. You ever been to a meal like that? It's like, this is what we are looking forward to. This is where we are going. So maybe this is what should inform our going in the day-to-day. -day. And this is the good news this morning. I believe that Jesus has made us friends of God instead of strangers through his divine hospitality. And we can use our hospitality to make many more strangers friends. He's invited us to himself through this divine hospitality, and he will use our hospitality to make many other strangers, who we were once strangers to, friends of God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I don't know how we say thank you enough. I'm just thinking about, you know, when, when we've been invited into someone's home and we've shared a great meal and I know that they've cooked us really great expensive food and they've shared all of their best stuff with us and not only that, but just shared wonderful moments with us and they've shared their life with us and we leave the house and we say thank you and it just almost doesn't feel like enough. You know, how could you say thank you enough times? And then I think about this moment where we're, we're just standing before you and, and it's, it's more than a meal, you know, and it's more than nice stuff and it's more than a, a lovely evening. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, it's grace and it's mercy and it's forgiveness and it's freedom. And I just want to think, how could we say thank you enough? And yet we pause and we just say thank you. Thank you for inviting us to yourself. Thank you for sharing your life with us. Thank you that we are now united together with Christ, that everything that is yours is ours. Thank you that you've invited us to perfect fellowship with yourself. Thank you that we can tell you anything, anytime, and we can hear your voice through prayer. Thank you that you share more and more of who you are with us through your word. Thank you for being so inviting. And thank you for inviting people like us. We ask these things and we say them in your name and for your sake, Jesus. Amen.